listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. Love the program. You're already famous in Rochester. Then watch out, world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody. Welcome into this week's program. Coming to you from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. This is the Beyond the Game program, Sports Talk. Without the trash talk, I'm Rick Benson. Along with me is Zach Barletta. I want to start off this week's program looking back a little bit at last week's Super Bowl. I realize by now it's been analyzed, it's been reanalyzed, but there are three things which stuck out to me, which, though I'm sure they have been, I haven't heard anybody talking about this. First of all, I'm confused while Julian Edelman, why Julian Edelman got the MVP. Sure, he had a good game. I'm not debating that. Had a good game. But why do they try so hard to make sure an offensive player gets that award? Both offenses were fairly contained. If that's the case, why did it go to a wide receiver? Listen, if defense won the game, don't be afraid to give it to a defensive player. Secondly, and this is sticky. Replays clearly showed pass interference on Brandon Cooks that would have given the ball to the Rams deep in, play, in Patriots territory late in the game. With so many of us, myself included, wanting to be able to challenge penalty calls or non-calls, well, do you still want it? It was minor. It was real minor. In real time, there's not a referee in the world who would have called that penalty. But replays would have definitely overturned it. There's no doubt in my mind replays would have overturned it. By the way, yes, I still want it. Pass interference is pass interference. Give each coach one penalty challenge per game. And if the Rams still had it left at that point and they decided to use it, uh, that call would have been overturned and it very possibly could have changed the outcome of the game. Maybe. Lastly, there's this. Edelman served his suspension. He served his suspension. I have no problem with him being MVP based on that, though I still would have preferred to have seen a defensive guy get it. I believe in second chances. The Bible says grace and truth. There's the grace. You served your time. You're back. No problem with you getting playing in the postseason or getting an award. But here's the truth. A second offense should result in postseason disqualification. Which brings me to this. Stop with the Patriots cheat narrative. Stop with the weak, the refs are on Tom Brady's team narrative. Stop with the NFL wants the Patriots to win narrative. None of that is true. What is true is the Patriots are better than your team. They're better than my team. They're better than all our teams. They have nearly the same winning percentage against teams outside the AFC East as they do against their division rivals. So please Stop with that weak, tired excuse as well. Like it or not, the Patriots are just good, real good. Like it or not, they're the team to be and, and probably will be for some time. You don't have to like them, but enjoy what you're seeing. This is rare. A dynasty run like this has been rare in sports history. You got the old Boston Celtics. You got the Yogi Berra, Joe DiMaggio, New York Yankees, UCLA college basketball, and the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, and maybe a handful of others. There's just not a lot of runs like this. This is special. You don't have to like them, 
but respect what you're seeing. You know, it's funny. I was speaking last week to a group of volleyball players, and I always like to ask a few trivia questions, give away a couple of prizes whenever I speak, you know, small gift cards, coffee and such. Uh, then at least I know there's two or three people who go away happy that I was at least I, that I was there. I asked some volleyball questions. And though Stanford has won eight national championships, that was one of my questions, who's won the most? I didn't realize that. Penn State had maybe a more dominant run from 2007 to 2010. Even though, By the way, they've won seven national championships, not as many as Stanford, but their run was probably the most dominant in college volleyball. They had a four-year period where they won four in a row, of which two of those were consecutive 38-0 and 0 seasons. That's pretty remarkable. I think 2008, 2009 may have been it. Maybe it was 2007 and 2008. And one of those... One of those two back-to-back consecutive 38-0 seasons, they didn't lose but two sets the entire season. That's dominance. 37 times they went 3-0, and and once they won 3-2. I spoke to those players of the value of sports ministry and how athletes, though very often overlooked, can offer their talents, their abilities as sacrifices of praise and worship to God just like other ministries. I, I don't know why this is, but it's not uncommon for some to look down on a church's involvement in sports ministry as being nothing than, than just playing games. I've been reading this great book, Christmanship, A Theology of Competition in Sport, Dr. Greg Linville. It's terrific. And a lot of what I shared with these volleyball players and what I'm about to share with you, a lot of it is is, is taken from that book because it's just fantastic. And a a terrific perspective on sports ministry. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We're to present our bodies willingly, humbly, as a sacrifice. How do you do that? How do you present your bodies a willing sacrifice? I can tell you this. You could be sure that athletes know a little something about sacrificing their body, whether in the game or sacrificing for the strength, uh, for the sake of strength and fitness, maybe not partaking in the ice cream or, or, or the Chinese buffets the way their, their friends may. They, they know a little something about sacrifice. I believe competition enhances spiritual development. I really do. I believe athletic competition can be a sacrifice of worship. It's one of the unique things about sports ministry. In sports, you know, you tend to see people right where they are. I believe sports ministries are better positioned to develop the spiritual life of people better than many other ministries. And before you throw stones, let me tell you why. Because most ministries don't apply pressure the way competition can. Man, you get out on the floor, you get out on the court, you get out on the field, and bodies start banging, and elbows start flying, the juices start flowing, and the pressure builds. I think pressure is needed to reveal the spiritual weaknesses of each individual. But remember that God is in the business of transforming people and getting good things out of tough situations, getting good things out of pressure-filled situations. Christian players keep the goal of emulating Christ as their top priority whenever they play. And when they do that successfully, God is glorified. I want to challenge you. Whenever you compete athletically, 
give the glory to God. Offer your competition, your play, as a sacrifice of worship. And let me explain. First off, the word competition, you know that comes from a Latin verb meaning to seek together. We seek a standard. Uh, maybe it's a win. Maybe it's better play. Maybe it's improved play. And our, comp- our performance is evaluated relative to another participant. Competition, therefore, more or less assumes cooperation. We often use the word opponent. I, I, I think co-competitor is really a better term because we're helping one another to be the best that we can be. Sounds a lot like the Christian life. It sounds to me a lot like disciple making. It sounds like Christian brothers and sisters helping one another, challenging one another to live a victorious life, to get better. In Genesis chapter four, we see Cain and Abel. Famous story, Cain is a tiller of the ground, Abel is a keeper of the sheep. Both bring a sacrifice to God of their produce, what it is they produce. Only God didn't accept Cain's because of his heart. God gifts each of us with skills and abilities, and and some are very gifted athletes, and some are just, you know, what can you say, recreational players. But even if all you're able to do is stand up and go out onto the field, that's a gift. Not everybody can do that. And it can be suggested that perhaps each person, regardless of how exceptional an athlete they are, should bring an offering which represents their unique skills, their unique labors, but always with a pure heart. When you compete, when you play, when you play rec basketball, when you play whatever it is you play, do you play with a worshipful heart? Do you play with a pure heart? Any athlete who simply goes through the motions, you know, maybe they make the sign of a cross when they get into the box, they they have a pregame chapel, a pregame prayer, whatever it is, they point to the sky when they reach a touchdown. If you're just going through the motions, your sacrifice, your worship and praise is going to be rejected by God just the way he rejected Cain's because it's not flowing from your heart. Humankind worships with our bodies. We sing, we praise God. Maybe you raise your hands in certain places if, if that's how you express your worship. Those are all bodily expressions flowing from the heart. Sports can be and should be the very same. Success is, is not what gift a person has, but rather what that person does with the gift they have. For the Christian athlete, success is one thing. Competing in such a way that you bring honor and glory to God, maximizing your gifts, getting the most out of them to not only be more conformed to the image of his son, but that in that process you would bring him glory. Athletes can worship God through their athletic activities as long as their hearts are pure, their motives are to honor and worship God, and then they compete in ways which glorify him fairly, cheerfully, uh, to the best of their ability. How do you play? Why do you play? Is it just for exercise? Is it for fellowship, for fun? All those things are great. Maybe you're there because you want to get the win. You know, and I could ask the same thing of why you go to church. Is it, you know, is it for the fellowship? Is it for the fun? Is it to get the win? You know, having people see you as being godly. My challenge to you stands each and every time you take the floor, you take the court to play some sort of athletic event, do so in a spirit of worship. 
offering your abilities, your talents, your labors as a sacrifice of worship. As Romans 12, as Romans 12 that verse I said earlier, Romans 12:1, it's really just your reasonable service. Thanks so much for being with us. When we come back, Zach will host our weekly shenanigan statements. We'll give you our You Like That for this week. That's all ahead today on Beyond the Game. Time now to look back at this past week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Thursday, February 7th. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's bowling team were at Cutstown University last weekend competing in the Bowling for a Cure tournament. They went 3-1 and one on Saturday, good enough for a fourth-place finish, and then went 2-3 and three on Sunday to finish in seventh place. Junior Emily Notebear of Rochester led the Red Hawks on both days, and she was named to the all-tournament team. Both the men's and women's swim teams came away with dominant wins last weekend at the Genesee Community College invite. The women actually also sent some swimmers to a competition at Herkimer County Community College with the same winning results in dominant fashion. In basketball, it was a tough night as both the men and women dropped road games at Damon College last Saturday. The women fell 76-54, junior Sarah Nady getting 16 points in the loss. The men, meanwhile, were tripped up 83-64 despite getting 19 points from senior Peyton McLaurin. The men were back in action on Monday, dropping a non-conference matchup with Mansfield University 75-65. Freshman Fope Akuyaga led the Red Hawks off the bench with 14 points and 11 rebounds for his first double-double of his collegiate career. McLaurin continued his hot scoring, putting up 14 points. No home action for the Red Hawks until next Friday night, February 15th. Both basketball squads will welcome in the New York Institute of Technology. The women tip off at 6 p.m., followed by the men at 8. They'll also be home on Sunday the 17th, hosting LIU Post. Game time for the women is 2, and the men following at 4. If you can't make it to the games, you can follow all the action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you'll also find scores, highlights, and much more. And don't forget, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. While on our website, you can subscribe to the podcast and have it downloaded automatically just as people all around the country and all around the world do each and every week. 
We say hello to Dothan, Alabama this week, which was one of the places downloading last week's broadcast. The great artist Gilmore, inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2011, graduated from high school in Dothan, Alabama. Six-time NBA All-Star, five-time ABA All-Star, the ABA Rookie of the Year and MVP in 1972. The A-Train, artist Gilmore from Dothan, Alabama. Also from Dothan, Alabama, Bobby Goldsboro had the number one hit song, Honey, in 1968. And it was in the early spring when flowers bloom and robins sing, she went away. Sad song. About a young woman dying while her husband was at work. I miss you. And I'm being good. And I'd love to be with you. Thanks for listening in Dothan and wherever you're listening from and however you're listening. We thank you for being with us as well. Here's Zach Barletta to give us this week's shenanigans statements. All right. Number one, Sunday's 13 to 3 Patriots victory was the worst Super Bowl you've ever seen shenanigans i i don't think you need to score 70 points to, to be an entertaining game i think the defensive schemes were tremendous at brian flores wade phillips th- those guys were brilliant and you know bill belichick is going to take away your best offensive weapon he took away their best two three offensive weapons it's like leaving a pitcher out there with this you can't use your top three pitchers use pitches use whatever else you got left over it was brilliant no, I, I thought I thought it was a good game. And the reason why I thought it was a good game is because at any point you just felt like both these offenses were good and then a score, a turnover, or something like that, the whole complexion of the game could change. It just never happened. Yeah. So I but no, I, I liked it. It was terrible. Um and the Patriots won, which made it even more terrible. <laughs> The halftime show was terrible. Even the commercials uh, see, were I, terrible. I, I didn't even watch the halftime show. I turned over to a professional bull riding. <laughs> I, I don't know that I could say it was the worst because the one that sticks out in my mind is when the Seahawks beat the Peyton Manning Broncos, and it was over from about 10 minutes in. Would you rather have that just because there was more touchdowns? Of course not. Yeah, I think the only thing worse than nobody scoring, like what we saw Sunday, is when one team just destroys the other team. And by halftime, you know it's over. Number two. The Buffalo Sabres will make the playoffs. What do you think? I don't think so. No. I, I want to say yes because they're Me a too. good story and they're actually finally fun. You know, but I think what they did early on the season was a little bit fluky. We've seen over the last several weeks that they've sort of come back to what their skill level is, but I don't think they're far away. And they're only, what are they right now, three points out of the second wild card spot? I think they'll hang around, and I think they'll be close, and they're certainly better than they've been in a long time. But I think they're just not quite there yet. I agree with you. I say shenanigans. They're not going to make the playoffs. You know, I'll admit I I can't get a feel for this team. I mean, they got shredded at home. The first of a seven-game homestand, you think they would be up. They got shredded by the Blackhawks, 7-3, to three, a fairly weak Blackhawks team. And then they turn around and, and, and beat a fairly decent Minnesota Wild team in a shootout. I, I can't get a feel for them, but here's the thing. You alluded to how well they started the season, 17-6-2, and two, and then they've had the worst record in the league since. I just know I don't see them making the playoffs. Yeah, and I think a team that makes the playoffs is going to find a little more consistency in there somewhere. They're not there yet, but they are fun. Agreed. Number three, Major League Baseball is reportedly considering several potential rules changes in what would be a pretty sweeping overhaul of its rule book. Among the proposals is a rule that would require every pitcher to face a minimum of three batters. 
which would essentially eliminate the left-handed relief specialist. So truth or shenanigans, requiring every pitcher to face at least three batters is a good idea. I get what they're trying to do, but shenanigans. I know they want to address the the pace of the play, uh, but you're you're talking about a certain segment of of players that and you're taking them right out of the league as you mentioned that left-handed specialist whose careers are dependent upon coming in and getting that one hitter out i i don't like changes that mess with the strategy of the game yeah i'm with you um i'm never in favor of eliminating somebody's job so that's a strike against it in my book i think also we're seeing so many teams that are building these super bullpens that guys don't need to make as many pitching changes. You just have one pitcher go one inning each for the last three innings of the game, and it's over. So I don't even think it's a necessary rule. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap up this week's show. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Hey, everybody, it's Benson. You probably know that Beyond the Game is a different kind of sports talk radio program. Sports conversation and Bible verses mixed together? Why would anybody do that? Here's why. Because the message of Jesus Christ is so important that we use sports to appeal to sports fans. Trying to be, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You see, all of us are sinners. And because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us, so much so that he sent his son who was the only one who never sinned, and though he did not need to die, willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sin. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. 1 Timothy 2.4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making it possible for us to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness. You see, that's the grace of God we want to tell you about. Sports Talk Radio allows us to bring that message of the forgiveness of sins to sports fans all around the world. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people everywhere. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'd pray to God. I hope you'd confess to him that you know yourself to be a sinner and tell him that you know and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and begin a new way of life, turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. 
Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view, highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. So nice to have you along. For the second week in a row, I'm using the same verse to lead off our You Like That segment. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, which says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There were so many great quotes coming out of this year's Super Bowl from Christian athletes, but I will stick with the same theme of honoring fathers as I did in last week's You Like That segment. 56-year-old Stephen Skinner of Atlanta, Georgia, a 16-year veteran of the U.S. Navy, had a lifelong dream to attend a Super Bowl game, but sadly, he was diagnosed in November, given just four to six months to live due to a brain tumor. It seemed the dream might just have to stay that, a dream. But his son Andrew wasn't giving up on that dream, and he was determined to get his father to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. A GoFundMe campaign was created with a goal of raising $30,000, which would have been enough to send Stephen and a few family members to the game. The campaign was appropriately titled The Commander's Final Send-Off and has raised, at last check, over $40,000. The family says they will donate the additional funds to cancer research. A local transportation company offered to make it easier on the family by donating its services to get the entire family to the stadium for the game. Stephen's wife said he just wanted to be known as a good dad and a good husband. Andrew Skinner's determination to honor his father and to make his dying wish come true and get him to Super Bowl 53 is what I like you this like week. That? You like that? What I like this week was literally the only good thing to come out of the Super Bowl, and it was a tweet <laughs> from Rams wide receiver Brandon Cooks. You may remember mm-hmm. Cooks was a member of the Patriots last year, which means he had just finished losing his second consecutive Super Bowl when he tweeted this, Lord, I love you beyond words. I hope someone was saved tonight through all circumstances. May you shine bright through it all for your honor and glory and your praise. Show me the way, for I cannot find it without you. He tweeted that at 10.53 p.m., just minutes after losing his second consecutive Super Bowl. The mindset of somebody like Brandon Cooks to praise God in a situation like that is what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? Well, that's the end of our show for this week. I want to thank you for joining us here on the Beyond the Game program, and I invite you to tune in again next week as we continue our conversations mixing both sports and faith. This radio program hits the airwaves thanks to the support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers and financial gifts which make the Beyond the Game possible. Please keep us in prayer, asking God to use this sports talk radio program to impact those who hear it, and that he would provide for our expenses as we share biblical perspectives on the world of sports with listeners all around the world each and every week. Please consider what part you would have in that, if any, If God has laid it on your heart to make a financial contribution to this radio ministry, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. That's btgprogram.com. And one more thing, if you're a business owner, please consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 